What's up, everybody, and welcome to another Seven Figure Photographer Live. I almost tripped on my own tongue there. <laughs> like, love when I mess things up. <laughs> welcome, everybody. Today, I have kind of a little bit of a different live today. I wanted to share with you guys my origin story. What I mean by that is how I got my start in photography. And we're going to start out with this fun fact before we go in to our intro the original name of my business was... <laughs> I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe I'm doing it either. It's so embarrassing. Lasting Memories Photography. There you have it, folks. You heard it from me first. I was 15 years old when I started this business, and I started it as Lasting Memories Photography. Cue the intro. Boom. What's up guys? For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sam Marvin and I've been in the photography industry for 25 plus years. While I love being a creative, business is my passion and elevating the industry of photography is my focus. I created the Seven Figure Photographer to share my journey to seven figures and to help others find their way too. All right, so... <clears throat> Like I said, I want to share with you guys today the story about how I got started in photography. And honestly, you know, there's a lot to it. And I'm actually going to share with you, this is kind of an updated origin story because I'm literally going to take it up to like this year. So you're going to find out a lot of details about my business, the ups and downs, the financial past, the challenges. I'm going to share a lot with you. So my biggest thing here is that for me, I think it's so important to be authentic. I want you guys to know who I truly am. I want you guys to know the secrets. Obviously, I have certain things in my life that I still haven't shared just because I haven't shared it with a lot of people. And I'm not necessarily ready to share with everybody, but you guys will be the first to know. You'll be the first people that I share it with. But I want to just share this story. So for those of you who don't know, my business started in August of 1995. That sounds like crazy. That's like how many years ago? Person? Yes, I'm an old person. Let's see, 95, that's 25, 26, 27 years, like almost 27 years total. That's when I started my business. That's when I actually filed, I believe I filed in August. That was when I actually filed for my EIN. My mom was an accountant and so that made it easy. I actually got my first camera just eight months before that on Christmas day. And I got to tell you guys, this was, this was probably the most nightmare Christmas I ever experienced in my life. And I say that because I was that rotten kid that didn't deserve anything. I was 15 years old. Well, I wasn't actually, I was 14 years old at the time. And what had happened is my dad and my brother decided they would be hoodlums and they decided to hide the camera, which all they did was hide it under my dad's bed, but they gave me a box of coal and in the box of coal they had a little note which was the first clue to a whole day's worth of searching and um, what do you call that scavenger hunting mm -hmm. to find this gift and of course by the time i found it i was annoyed as hell and i wasn't even excited well i was excited about it but i didn't want them to know i was excited about it so i was kind of a <laughs> jerk about it to be brutally honest and they were just having this amazing time laughing because I was so annoyed and so upset. But the gift actually came from my brother. 
So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that here in a little bit. A little bit more about how I actually started into the business side of it. In August of that year, I started into a class and one of the parts of our class was communications. And so, or sorry, one of the parts of the communications class was black and white photography. We had a lab in our school. I had noticed my teacher, uh, one of my teachers that ran the lab, he was into photography. And I remember, which is really interesting because this came full circle. I remember when he had this new camera that he was walking around class, like kind of showing it off with or throughout in class. He was like my history teacher, I think. And he was showing it off because he, he was like, yeah, it has this technology where like when you look in it, it follows where your eye goes, right? So this technology, this technology that we have on the new Canon R3 is actually an old technology that they brought back. And maybe I misunderstand like what it actually was back then, but I remember thinking how cool that was for his camera. And so that was partly one of the things that made me want to buy this camera for this one. It was more of a nostalgia thing. Yeah, so interesting fun fact. So anyway, Mr. Lundberg was my teacher. He was an incredible teacher. I loved him. He was actually my woodshop teacher as well. But the communications class, we were charged with finding something to take a picture of. We had to roll our own film and we had to develop our film. Well, me being the individual that I was, always girl crazy. There was a blonde, surprisingly, surprise, right? Surprise. She was a cheerleader, and <laughs> I thought she was absolutely beautiful, and she didn't know I existed. But I asked her if I could take pictures of her. I took pictures of her one day, and yes, I took pictures of her on hay bales. <laughs> I did all the normal, cliche Idaho stuff. But she loved the pictures. The lab actually somebody messed up the chemicals in the lab so we couldn't develop them in school so we had to get them developed i think i went through kmart i got them all they were all black and white and i got them back and i showed them to her mom and her mom wrote me a check that night for 250 dollars. and she gave me the check and she says i want as many prints as you can get me just get me all of them and so i literally went to kmart and i ordered 250 dollars worth of prints so i didn't make a penny I literally did not make a penny, but I remember laying in bed that night and I was like, oh my gosh, like I am so rich right now and I'm going to make all this money. I'm going to be this photographer and I'm going to make all this money. So the next, that night I was like, okay, what am I going to call my business? What am I going to call my business? And that was the night I came up with a terrible lasting memory photography, <laughs> which fun fact carries over into a lot more which I'll explain more. As I grew older, it actually morphed into, well, at a certain point in about 2005, I think, I switched over to Samuel Marvin Photography because I wanted to be recognized for me. I wanted to be remembered as Samuel Marvin, not Lasting Memories Photography. Plus, every time I looked up Lasting Memories Photography on a website back then, it went to this photographer that was like this black page with purple writing and green links. That's, and it was that's terrible. That's what I would think. It was terrible. And so I was like, I don't want to be remembered for that. I don't want to have something that everybody else has. Um, there is a famous chef named Samuel Marvin down in California. There is? Yeah. So that's all I have to compete with, but not a photographer. So back to the story. I laid in bed that night. I came up with the name Lasting Memories Photography. The next day, I my mom was notorious for having every, everything Avery, like labels and business cards and stuff. And so I had business, I designed up business cards that were so basic. And I printed them out and perforated, tore them up, like started handing them out at school, telling people I was a professional photographer. And so surprisingly, I actually made a decent amount of money in high school shooting pictures throughout the years. But throughout high school, that's like, that was my goal. Now the camera that I got that my brother gave me was a Yashica AF230 Super, which is kind of 
Like, it's funny that I remember that. And to my demise, this is a lesson that I learned when I was in high school. I used to take my camera with me to school and it was sitting on my desk one day and somebody walked by and was just being a douche and caught the camera strap hanging off the desk and dropped my camera and lens. It landed on the lens and it broke the, the lens. It was still worked and it was still fine, but they dropped my camera on the floor. And so that's why I never, like, it freaks me out when I see people with, like, their, uh, their straps hanging off the table. So that was when Samuel Marvin Photography was born, or Lasting Memories Photography, which is really funny because I'm really harsh on stupid names for businesses. Yeah, you kind of are. I, I'm kind of a douche about it. Like, yeah. I, I honestly, in my opinion, I think that most people should keep it either a simple brand name or their personal name for their photography business. Of course, that is not correct. Like that's not, there's no, there's no validity in it. You can have an, a successful business no matter how you do it. But let me tell you, I've seen some really interesting ones. Now, I wanna get back into the background behind this because my brother gave me the camera. What I didn't share with you is that my whole business was born out of the background of epilepsy. Why do I say that? Well. In 1980, the year that I was born, I was born January 19th, 1980. Make sure to mark that down on your calendar. Send me great gifts. <laughs> I love gifts. Kind of not really. I mean, yes, I love gifts. So January 19th, 1980, I was born. On August 14th, 1980, my brother Jared, who at the time turned six that day, he had gone to the, my, with my mom to church. I couldn't tell you what day it was, but it was in the middle of the week. He had gone with my mom to a church function and because it was his birthday, he was running around the church and asked my mom if he could go home and get his new soccer ball that he had gotten from the church or from for his birthday. My mom, busy as she was, continued to work and said, Jared, not right now, not right now. And so he walked out of the church and the church was right on a very busy state highway in Idaho. And he started to walk home, which from the church to our house was 3.1 miles. I used to ride my bike up and down that highway. The highway speed limit was 55 miles an hour. In 1980, remember how cars were built. They were steel traps. Like they were big, heavy steel like machines, right? My brother got probably a half mile from the church when he saw a kitten cross the road and he chased the kitten across the road and was hit by a car. The woman left him for dead. The reason we know who the woman was is because he left a three inch dent in the hood of her car. Thank goodness was saved by what was called a QRU, the quick response unit. Sorry, Mia, I'm triggering some stuff. He was in a coma for, I believe, six weeks. Yeah, I'm not putting that up against my eyes. <laughs> she hands me newspaper practically. <laughs> That's all we have. So he was in a coma for six weeks. And the first thing he woke up to, or the first thing he heard when he woke up was my voice as my mom got off the elevator coming into the hospital. He was in a full body cast. He was broken up pretty badly. And I think one of the most shocking stories to all this is um, I remember a couple of years ago we did our fashion show and we, we do a fashion show every year for our influencers or our model program and it's called Fashion for a Cause Fashion Show. And we had actually started doing it with for epilepsy because we had a friend who her daughter had been diagnosed with epilepsy. 
out of the blue and some things that happened. And so it just seemed like a good platform for what we could do for a cause was epilepsy. And so my brother from this developed epilepsy and it really has impacted his life significantly, even to this day. Now, the story that I was going to share is because I decided to do our fashion show for a cause, I asked my mom to send me a story. And I, I asked her to send me like the story because I remember my mom on many occasions telling the story about how Jared had been hit by a car. But I remember her at one time saying that seeing him there, she wished she prayed to God and asked God to let to take him. Because she knew that the life that he would have would be a struggle. If anything at all. At the time, they believed he would be a vegetable. And uh, sorry guys, I didn't, I didn't expect to make it this rough. But anyway, so I asked my mom to write a story because I wanted to share her from her words as a mother what it was like to go through this experience. And I remember getting this story from my mom and it was the first time I'd ever had like a documented like story from my mom about what she went through or the experiences she had. And that day, because I was still not even, I was only seven months old, eight months old at the time, or pretty much seven months old, when my mom walked in and she spoke to my brother for the first time, some of the words that came out of his mouth were really profound. And he said to my mom, he says, Mom, I've been with Jesus. But he told me that I couldn't stay. And it never occurred to me until the one day that I was reading this story on stage to all, there was probably 500 people in the audience, that the impact that I've had on people's lives all in photography stemmed from him being able to survive that experience. And so for me, my story really begins with epilepsy. And epilepsy is the reason that I am a photographer. Now, the reason I tell you that, as a young boy, from the time I was nine years old, I used to, <laughs> my dad used to grow pumpkins in his garden. My dad loves his garden. He used to grow pumpkins in his garden and we would take a wheelbarrow full of pumpkins every year around Halloween and we would walk them about a quarter mile down to the highway, the same highway that my brother was hit on. And we would stand on the side of the highway with cardboard signs selling pumpkins for I think 75 cents or maybe a quarter. I can't remember. <laughs> but that was my first experience as an entrepreneur. As I grew older, I actually decided I wanted to open a bike shop. I wanted to, <laughs> how I thought I was going to do this, I don't know. The first thing I thought to do was to look up the address on the back of the, the bottle of slime for bike tires, and I sent an, a letter to the CEO of Slime, and he actually called my mom and, or called her or emailed her and sent me my first case of slime and came out and met us and and that was like, those were my first experiences as an entrepreneur in my life. And so I remember 
working in my mind, I thought I worked really hard. I was spoiled. I was spoiled rotten. Like, I'll be straight up with you guys. I was spoiled rotten. I was the last of seven kids. My mom pretty much was tired of raising kids. And so anytime I wanted something, she would just hand me the credit card or give me a hundred dollar bill and say, don't spend all this, you know, bring me back the change. I'd bring her back like 42 cents and say, (laughs) I brought you back the change. I was really, I was efficient at spending her money. (laughs) Very efficient. But I remember being so frustrated because my brother got free money and it drove me nuts that here I was trying to make money so that I could do fun things and spend money. And it really bothered me. To me, my brother was no different from anybody else. I didn't see the challenges he went through as a young boy because by the time I had grown up enough to recognize him as anything other than my brother, it was all normal to me. He occasionally had seizures. That was a, that was a struggle. But other than that, he was just my brother. He was no different to me. He was five years old, or six years older than me. He was no different to me than anybody else. But it drove me nuts that I wanted to make money and I had to work to make money and he got money for free. So as I got older, I would tease him and that take that lightly because I mean, I teased him all the time. He was my brother. We picked on each other. But, you know, when we would go anywhere, I had my driver's license. He didn't have it. He couldn't get his driver's license. It was a challenge. And so anytime we'd go anywhere, anywhere I'd be like, well, you're the one with money. You got to buy lunch. <laughs> Or, you know, this, that, and the other. So when I was 14 years old and we had gone to this college bookstore and they had electronics, I jokingly said to him, I said, Jared, you should buy me this camera. And he actually went to my dad and he said, Dad, I want to get Sam this camera he wants for Christmas. And that's how, that's how it all started. My dad is the one that really gave me the passion for nature and for photography he talked about it a lot he used to show us slides we used to have like family gatherings where he would put this this little the slide projector and he'd put these whole big rings of slides on and he would go through and he was a storyteller and so he would tell us these stories of all these slides and they had so much life experience already by the time I had grown up or even grown to become you know nine or ten years old or twelve years old they already had all this life experience. They had lived in the islands. Most of my siblings were born in Tonga and New Zealand. I was born in Caldwell, Idaho. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of got shafted and all that. But that's, that's really where my start in photography came from. Now, a little bit more about it. I really didn't do a ton. I worked a lot. I shot a lot of senior pictures when I was growing up. I told everybody I was a professional photographer. I made good money for where I was at as a kid. I did work a lot. I worked for my mom a lot. I got to take lots of senior pictures. As I got into college, I I actually served a mission for my church at the time. And then when I came home, I got back into photography and every job I ever had was, I tried to get jobs that worked me earlier in the day so that I could be a photographer in the evening. When I finally got married, my wife bought me my first digital camera. And I remember the time when, uh, you know, I had my Yashica AF230 Super clear through until I was about 21 years old. And I remember for me, that was the big change was digital. I remember looking at cameras before then, and I remember seeing like a, I think it was like a three megapixel camera, I think it was, like one of the Sony ones where you put the three and a half inch disc in them. Like that was the first digital cameras (laughs) or some of the professional bodies that were like 
$10,000 at the time for these digital cameras. So once my wife bought me my first camera, I spent a lot of time shooting weddings. I ended up doing a lot of weddings. That's kind of where I focused the majority of my, my efforts. Again, I was working a day job, shooting weddings up until about 2007, 2004. I did a lot of senior portraits. Well, when I say a lot, let me step back there. <laughs> Cause I did like four to five seniors a year. So that in my mind, I did a lot of seniors. That was like my favorite thing to photograph because that's what I did the most of. Wasn't that many. The most pivotal part is about 2007. We had a friend come from church, come over to visit my wife. And she mentioned, she's like, so you're a photographer, right? And I said, yeah, I'm a photographer. She asked if I had any pictures of Idaho. And I said, I do, but I've never shared them with anybody. I think the one thing that held me back the most is I was afraid for people to not like my pictures. I was afraid for people to not like my work. Even weddings, I would deliver weddings and I'd be like, I don't ever want to hear what you say about them. I don't want to know. And honestly, one of the biggest changes was when I got into in-person sales with seniors, I got to see the reaction on people's faces. I got to see how in love they were with the pictures and how it changed them. And that was probably one of the most powerful, most moving aspects for me. I photographed weddings. I'm not even gonna say a lot. I think it was like maybe 10 to 15 a year at the time. And I even had a wedding in New York City that I got sued for because in our contract we had uh, that clients were supposed to choose their any of their purchased items, albums specifically, within four to six weeks of the images being delivered to them. And I had a client that decided three years later that she wanted to order her albums. She had three of them. And this was about the 2008 drop and everything had changed. A lot of the album companies had gone out of business. Everything had gone up in price, just like we're experiencing right now. And that was the reason that I had that in my contract. And so she chose to, to take me to court. And I went to court with my contract in hand and thought I was going to be good. And ultimately, the, the judge happened to be an old lawyer of mine and worked with my family. And so he had to recuse himself of the case. The day that we finally had the case, my car starter didn't work. And so... I got to the courthouse five minutes late and I was, they, the judgment was against me and I could, I tried to appeal it and the judge pretty much told me to go jump in the lake. So that's kind of about that time. I also had just in 2007 started my sports photography business. Now I took lasting memories photography. I shortened it to LMP sports and I built a trailer with multiple computers mounted to the side and I would travel to sporting events, mainly motocross races, some Irish step dancing, some cheer competitions, that kind of stuff. And we traveled to all these events and we sold pictures on site. We also started it with a ski resort here local. And so I would go up on the mountain and honestly, that was just an excuse for me to tell my wife because at that point in time, I'd gotten married. And so I had to have excuses to be able to go, go skiing. And my wife didn't like the fact that I always wanted to go skiing and it was costly. And so I signed a contract with a resort to have to be there at least three days a week. And that was my excuse. I was like, babe, I have to. So we had a, our trailer that we had built had 12 feet of living quarters. And that's where we, we stayed up on the resort. We went up and skied three days a week and it was amazing. It was so much fun. I didn't really make any money doing it, but that's when I signed my first contract for a big 
uh, off-road event or off-road like a motocross event. And that was when we started following. And so fast forward to about, I think 2011, I had been doing these sporting events and my, my son was born in, actually, I guess it's not fast forward that far. My son was born in 2008. So it was 2009. I had missed the first year of my son's life. I spent most of the time on the road and I, I was trying to reel it back a little bit, do more local events. And I think about 2011, actually, I think it was 2012, I sold my trailer and decided to go into seniors full time. I'd actually watched a video on Creative Live with Sal Sincata and he talked about how he did 50 seniors at a $2,000 average at that time. And I was like, okay, that's my five-year goal. And I jumped into it and that first year, and I told you guys the other day, the way that I did it was I, I reached out to one of the kids that had worked for me as a photographer on the sports business. He had a, a brother that was in one of the local high schools and I reached out to him and I said, Hey, I'll give you business cards with your picture and your name on them. If you give these out to people, anybody that books with me, I'll give you $25. And so I literally told him, I said, find all the prettiest girls and give them these cards and tell them to book us for senior pictures. And that year we booked 58 seniors, I believe it was 58, and did about $85,000 in sales. And so that was kind of the start of my senior journey. And I believe that was in 2011 or 12. I think it might've been 2012. So I'm, I'm trying to remember exact dates, but here and there. In 2007, I believe is when I started CIC Pro Labs uh, because the woman that had come to our house and asked about pictures, she ordered a whole bunch of canvases from me of all my Idaho pictures to the tune of, I think, sixteen dollars or $20,000. And then she turned around immediately and ordered another big order of about $16,000. And on the third order, I said, you know what? If you give me a little bit of extra time to get these done, and give me a little bit of a bigger order. I'll buy the equipment, the machine and the equipment and start a business making canvases so that I can do them for you. And I'll give you a 25% discount on everything going forward. And that's how I started CIC ProLab. So it was interesting because for my local market, people knew me as a printer and didn't know me as a photographer. And then when I kind of took the market by storm that first year, people were like, where did he come from? <laughs> <laughs> but that was really just a lot of hard work. I really worked on getting out and being amongst the students like just as much as I could. Now, fast forward to 2018, 2017, 2018. I think it was 2018. Seven years ago from now was 2015. Yeah, 20, 2015 is when we opened the studio. I didn't have the money to open the studio. In fact, I convinced my wife to support me in this idea when we couldn't afford our our mortgage payment or our rent payment at the time we barely were affording it i convinced her to let me open a studio that was going to cost me almost three thousand dollars a month but i worked i was like i'll do it i'll work really hard uh, we just saw that we had the it was seven years ago that we opened the studio and had the grand, grand opening. opening so i was growing i was growing fast i started out my average sale when I had those 50, 58 seniors was about $1,368. And it's funny that I remember that number, but I was talking to a friend and told her I was struggling there. And she said, honestly, that's 
as high as you're going to get for this area. And I didn't accept that within the next year. I think I was up closer to 18 or 19. And then the year after that, I was at 23. My average sale has gone up about consistently about $500 a year, a couple of 2020. I think it jumped almost $1,100. Yes, it is a very good thing that I've always had a wife that believed in me. And honestly, that was one of the things we were working from home and I was still a little bit of a stay at home dad, but I had my office upstairs with my print lab upstairs. We built desks so that we could work in this one space and we worked everything out of our garage for the shooting stuff, the bay, shooting bay and hair and makeup. And my wife finally one day came upstairs and was like, I'm so tired of you constantly working. And she said, is there anything I can do to help you? And that's when she started editing for us. And now she's, she's even opening her own business, doing editing, outsource editing. And so, so yeah, I told her at that time, I said, you know, stick with me and support me for the next two years. And I promise I'll make something to where you can come work with me at home and you won't have to go to your day job. And I held that promise and I gave her the opportunity to quit. And she's been working with me ever since. Everybody would argue that I'm not the boss, she's the boss. But in 2018, we decided, and this is this is a really valuable lesson that I, I wanna share. This is one of those times where I think that as we start to see success in business, we start to think we can take on the world. I've seen this in other people, I've seen it in myself. My dream in life is just to own successful businesses that are a lot of passive income. We had the opportunity and kind of got this crazy idea to open an escape room. Long story short, we dumped a whole lot of cash into the escape room. And in 2018, I nearly lost everything. I had dumped so much money into it. We had a slow start to the year. I had no cash flows or reserves and just got really behind on everything and almost lost everything. That was about the time that I started reading uh, Profit First, which helped me to understand like kind of a little bit more about finances and how to, how to take care of my money as an entrepreneur with a photography business. That was a huge help. If you guys don't haven't read that book, make sure to go read it. And honestly, I went from $85,000 to my best year in 2020 was just $10,000 shy of 400,000. Last year with the loss of Mia's daughter, we kind of had some some challenges and went through a lot. And so we kind of got a little bit, and I don't, I don't think that, I think that there's a lot to be said for like also that trickle effect of, of the back end of, huh? Of COVID? No, I think I'm talking about more the fact that like looking at like my social media following and the people on it mm. are mostly older people now. And yeah. so like we haven't done a good job of getting out there and being relevant amongst the newer kids. Because when you think about it, like from year to year, the only thing that connects you to additional years is a parent mm -hmm. and potentially a friend that might have watched, you know, another friend's pictures and seen those and been like, you know what, I want to go to that guy. But over time, if you're not continuing to stay relevant amongst your target market, it starts to fizzle. But definitely the loss of Ansley put a real crick in our neck. <laughs> Yeah, she definitely threw us off our, our course a little bit. And, you know, so that's, that's kind of really in a, that's not really a nutshell. That's <laughs> a big, long story. That's kind of where, where we came from and that's where we've been. And, you know, this, this year, our goal is to hit 500,000. 
I hope we can do it. We set a three-year goal of getting to 700,000. And ultimately, we want to get to a million dollars, which we're trying to do pretty much just in seniors. That's like my goal is just to do a million dollars in seniors, which is a really lofty. And that's for one photographer. I might have to, I might have to bring on another photographer to make that happen, to be brutally honest, just so that I don't burn myself out for no reason and don't burn out everybody that works with me. But yeah, that's more or less how I got started. The one thing I didn't share is in 2007 or eight, I ended up with my first in-person sales experience. I've shared that with a lot of people. My first in-person sales experience was honestly kind of a, an anomaly. I had a client that was kind of a affluent client. She came in, came to our home in Nampa, sat down to watch the pictures on the TV. And I started with like a little bit of a video. That's when we first started doing the videos. And she looked at me, she says, honestly, I don't have the time really to go through all these with you right now. Can I just write you a check for $2,500 and you can get me the pictures that that'll pay for? And I was like, sure, I'll just put them online and you can pick them out online. She literally picked all five by sevens and eight by tens. And then she called me up and said, I need frames for them. Can I just write you a check for $1,500 to get frames? And so my first in-person sales ended up being $4,000. They dropped off significantly from that point. <laughs> but it was like the, the four minute mile, is that what they call it? Yeah. Yeah. The four minute mile. I knew that it was capable, that I was capable of doing that. And that's what gave me the fire and the belief to know that I could make a living in senior portraits. And that's really, that's kind of where, where I started from. That's where, that's where it all, all began. So I, it hasn't all been daisies and butterflies <laughs> and it never continues to be daisies and butterflies. No. We have huge ups and huge downs. I received a message from a guy yesterday that found our survey and he reached out to me and he said, he's been in business for 50 years. They're just trying to sell their building and close up their business. They're now doing 25 to $50,000 a year. Their peak in 1999, he said was $250,000. Wow. So uh, that was what my understanding for a long time, what success in photography was, was that $250,000 range. And I'm here to tell you there's, we've done the survey. It's really mind blowing, like to see how many people are over the $350,000 range. And I know there's some out there that are in that million dollar, you know, they're doing a lot of the schools and also individual portraits and running. So it's like combined. So yeah, there's a lot of potential to make money in this industry without question. So that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. <laughs> and that's how epilepsy really was kind of the reason for why I'm a photographer. Sad as it may be, it always, it always breaks my heart because my brother still lives at home. He still struggles to see everybody around him have opportunities and grow. But I don't think he realizes how much of an impact he had on the rest of my life and on the lives of a lot of people that I've been able to touch with my art as a photographer. So that's all I got for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed it. It's just my story, not a whole lot of like crazy business or anything behind it. I just wanted to share that story, catch everybody up so that people that don't know the story about where I came from have an understanding. So that's it. Take care guys and have a wonderful day.